Hi there and welcome. This podcast chronicles my travels around the state of Ohio in the year leading up to the 2020 presidential election, interviewing my fellow Buckeye voters, hearing their stories, their hopes and their fears, their worries and concerns, and learning how those things influence how they're thinking politically as we head into another presidential election. My name is Pete Brown, and this is Ohio 2020. Hello again, everyone, and happy Friday. Can you believe the election is four days away? I hope you voted, and if you haven't voted, I hope you've made a plan to do so. Your participation is critical. Today's episode is the last of the interviews we were able to get before the pandemic shut us down that we're releasing. We did have a few more interviews either partially done or in progress that don't quite meet the bar for a full podcast episode, and an interviewee who was super frustrated that we were unable to get a film done and decided he wanted nothing more to do with our project. So, uh, good times. This is my talk with Kelly Berry, a semi-retired event planner and materials artist from Delaware, Ohio, who's led a fascinating life. Kelly really opened up about certain ideas she was raised with and how her life experiences moved her away from them. She is someone who has been all over the political map in her life, although she told us in her application to be on the show that she has never been as politically engaged as she is now for this election. Now, I spoke with Kelly back in the summer of 2019, and though we've reached out a few times, we've been unable to connect with her again, so I didn't get a chance to talk with her about the pandemic and other things that have happened over the past year that might impact this election. In fact, when we talked... Kelly was a big supporter of Pete Buttigieg, and we spent a good deal of her interview talking about Mayor Pete and her take on the other Democratic hopefuls. And usually, I think about editing that content out in favor for more recent thoughts on Joe Biden and the pandemic and so on, but since we weren't able to connect, I've left those parts in. I do think they do a good job of showing us the kinds of qualities that Kelly looks for in her candidates. There are some very raw very weighty moments in this interview, which I have to say makes it really stand out in my mind among all of the people we've spoken with. Kelly, if you're listening, I'm hoping you and your family are all safe, you're weathering the pandemic, and that your enthusiasm for politics has not dulled at all in the 15 months or so since we've spoken. Please enjoy my talk with Kelly Berry of Delaware, Ohio. My name is Kelly Berry, and I'm from Delaware, Ohio, and I am almost a semi-retired event planner, um, event manager. I was born in Franklin County, okay, and I lived in Franklin County until actually um, over on the east side in Whitehall, okay, up until I was about ten years old, okay, and then my dad decided it would really be interesting to move out to the state of Montana, okay, and so we moved out there, yeah, and then we moved back. And it was when we moved back that we moved to Delaware. Okay. So Delaware County, that was about 1972. Mm-hmm. So how old, how long did you spend in Montana? Uh, not uh, even a year. Oh, okay. Not even a year. Okay, so you've been in central Ohio most of your life. Yeah, most of my life, right. So what kind of kid were you? What kind of kid was I? Yeah. <sighs> I tried to abide by the rules. I was a good kid. Yeah. I was I was pretty good kid. Yeah. I, I had an older sister and two younger brothers, okay. so there wasn't a whole lot. My parents are very strict, so yeah. couldn't get a 
way with a whole lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah. The most freedom I think I had was during the summer and we would go down to the swimming pool, okay. to the local pool. And so that was a big time away or playing out in the backyard with the, you know, friends, but really not leaving the one block area uh, okay. around the house. I got you. My father was um, a mason. He was a bricklayer. Okay. And I'm not sure if he was working for other companies. He probably did some asphalt work and stuff there, brick and block. And so my mom stayed at home. She was a stay-at-home mom. Okay. So. And then you went to high school here? I went to high school in Delaware. Now, after we moved back to Delaware in 72, then we moved out of Delaware again okay. in 1974. And we lived in um, Spokane, Washington for about a year. Okay. And then I came back and then we came back in 1975. Yeah. So that's when I started going to high school at Delaware Hayes. And that's where I graduated in 1978. Mm-hmm. So were those moves to find work or were they to try something different? Um, I think part of it was work. I think the move out west for Spokane was more work-related. My Mm -hmm. father was working up in Calgary, Alberta, and he was working on hotels and buildings for the Olympics. The move to Montana, and I had to kind of figure this out myself, I believe was about, believe it or not, probably civil rights and busing. I remember just my father, he wanted to get as far away as possible. I mean, out in the middle of Nowheresville, Montana, Mm -hmm. Nowheresville, up on the side of a mountain. So this is around Kalispell, Whitefish area. Yeah, sure. Very far north Mm -hmm. on the Columbia River. So I believe now looking back, he did it because he knew that busing was immigrant, eminent. Eminent, okay. And I believe that that's why he wanted to, it's also, I mean, piecing together, he was a big George Wallace fan. And so... I kind of had to piece this together sure. as an adult looking back on it. I but you. I think that was the first out was because of integration was coming. He, he was a segregationist. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was just a racist. Uh-huh. So now he has softened since yeah. then. Yeah. And that's really great. Yeah. But I believe that, that people were scared back then. And so, but it was a really very protected little area yeah. um, of Columbus, a little suburb of Columbus, very sure. protected. And, and we lived maybe three blocks from the school. So it was a very, very microcosm kind of thing. Yeah. So. Well, given that he had those strong views, did they rub off on you or did you bump up against them? How did you kind of deal with that? Well, my dad was very much an authoritarian, so I wasn't going to bump up against that. Yeah. Not with his knowledge. Sure. I mean, anyway. But here's something interesting. When we were making the trip out to Spokane, Washington, I think we stopped around Minnesota, somewhere. It could have been one of the Dakotas, somewhere. And we met up by a group of teenagers, my sister and I, who were from Canada. Yeah. And we were just talking and comparing lives. Right. You know, boys and songs and music and words and slang and... I don't know how, I think they must have brought it up first. And I don't know if it's because we saw an interracial couple. But one of the girls asked me, do you, what do you guys think of that? Yeah. And I'm like, that's not really appreciated where we're from. Yeah. And she goes, well, we really embrace it. Yeah. And I, I was stymied. Yeah. And I thought, first off, Alec can never tell my dad what these girls said. Right. He won't let us hang out with them. Right. And second, just that there was a point of view that was so alternate. Yeah. That was amazing. That was completely amazing to me. Yeah. So I appreciated that being able to know inside, you know, my very segregated world. Yeah. That this was not actually normal. Right. So that that really gave me a good pause there. So. Yeah. And let me ask, because there's a lot of artwork around here. Were you always artistic as a kid? Sure. 
Yeah, I was. So I was artistic. I just liked to play with little things. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things I would play with back then in the day, the bread would come with a little, it was a colored wrapper. Yeah. And so I would save them, the Uh white ones, the red ones, the blue ones, and I would make stuff out of them. And I remember playing with those and just enjoying that. So I wasn't, I never asked for a Barbie doll. I never had one. My sister actually got one for Christmas and I tried to. This is, sorry, sis. I tried to pound her chest down because I thought it was such a ridiculous thing to have on the stall. I tried to pound it out. She's going to kill me when she hears this. Yeah. But but that's, I mean, I was just like, I like the Tonka trucks. Mm -hmm. I thought, no, these are cool. But I knew that I was not really allowed to ask for a Tonka truck. That would not be appreciated. Yeah. So... So in some ways, you're a middle child trying to kind of keep the peace oh, yeah, and def- follow the rules. Definitely a middle child. But yeah. you you also have these kind of ideas and things coming to you, which you know are going to cause trouble. Oh yeah, right. Play with the Tonka <laughs> trucks or entertain these other ideas. After high school, stayed in Delaware. I actually started managing for Domino's Pizza. Yeah. And I didn't have really enough money to go to school, so yeah. I just I started hanging out with college kids. Yeah. <laughs> I was got my own store and I was about 21 years old. Mm-hmm. About four months after that, I found out I was pregnant. And I found out that there was a huge lawsuit against Domino's for this. Me, another gal out of Springfield who was also pregnant, and the only black manager in the central Ohio area out of 23 stores, we were all fired on the same day. Mm-hmm. So that was really devastating. Yeah. Um, and so I stayed in Delaware for about another year. My husband and I moved down to Florida. Mm-hmm. I lived down there for 12 years. That marriage ended. I came back up here, was married in 1995, had my last kid in 1995. So that's kind of like a synopsis of that. Okay. So, so a real cheese, lack of education okay. and opportunity because, you know, you just. Yeah. But. Life happens and so you yeah. move with So it. 21, you, you got married, you had a child. Where in Florida did you go? Orlando. Orlando. And what did you do there? I worked in restaurants and, and I started working for Disney. And I was a restaurant hostess and then I became a, a manager of an oyster bar. And it was one mm-hmm. of the highest grossing revenue places on Disney per square foot. Mm-hmm. But I liked the work. Yeah. Um, so they said, you should come over and work banquets with us hotels. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I don't want to do that. And they're like, no, you really need to do this. This is a lot of fun. And so finally, I'm like, okay, I went over and did it. And I stepped into the world of banquets and I did not step out because I just fell in love with that world. I loved the precision of setting up for a group of 100, 600, setting it up once, serving it once, cleaning it once, done. Yeah. So I really, really liked that. That was very, it was very meticulous. And it was certainly hospitality. Yeah. And a lot of people like me with a lack of education ended up in hospitality because at least you could move. Yeah. So that's how I got into event services and yeah. um, event planning and, and banquet management and all of that. Yeah. So. What did you take with you from your Florida experience back to Ohio? Well, some things you take back and you don't realize what you take back until you get into that other place. Yeah. So one of the things that I took back was once that I came back to Ohio, I thought, oh my goodness, these people are just so judgmental and bigoted and prejudiced and that was a huge culture shock for me after being in especially in Orlando very much melting pot and Florida's just a melting pot and you have people who are Hispanic but they're Hispanic from Puerto Rico and then from Mexico and then from Cuba Mm -hmm. and then you have the Haiti and and Dominican Republic and you know people I worked with people who are from France and 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 Germany and um, Korea and you know we just were all trying to you know, so it just was this big homogenous 
you know, kind of environment. And then to come back and just like, what? Yeah. Someone said, you know, said a Spanish slur. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Are you, are you kidding me? I just, I couldn't, I mean, it was a bit of a shock. Yeah. It was a shock to me to come back to see that. Yeah. And so it, you know, that I, I didn't realize I was taking this international, you know, kind of experience with me, even though at that time I had never been to France or yeah. Germany or whatever. So just be really interesting people. So you, you kind of take their lives with you and yeah. you don't realize it so much. Yeah. And some of the big visions that they had, I really have to attribute my thinking is like trying to think as wide and as broad as they did. Yeah. And that was really, that's something I, I couldn't have got from yeah. my family. Not that I, they don't love me and I don't love them, but right. it's just, you know, it's just so much richer because of it. And then did, did you bring that to, you can move back here in 95, yeah. new baby, mm-hmm. uh, new husband. Yeah. Yeah, and then how did you how did you want to raise her since she was going to be in Ohio, not in Florida, where you were having that experience? Well, very interesting because my husband now Martin that you met, yeah. he's British, okay, and so he has a little bit more continental view of things, and yeah. he he lived three years in high school down in Mexico City. Yeah, um, he lived in Belgium for a while. He's traveled extensively, and so I knew that he kind of already had that built in. Yeah, and so that was something that was you know obviously very appealing to me. Yeah, and so I knew that we were going to be just fine. Yeah. So and besides that, he's the sweetest. Sweetest individual, yeah. You know, I knew she would be fine, and I knew we would be fine, the right. whole family, because he did take on the role mm-hmm. of, you know, stepdad to, you know, to my other children. Yeah. So, you know, and he did, he did that remarkably well. Just talk to me a little bit about when you started doing the artwork that we see around your house. Well, I've always done a bit of it, and with the banquets to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like you know see things, and you know you see something, you go, hey, I can make this, that, and this will be really cool. I've always done things and and had things, right? So, so much so to the the kids don't even, you know, I had I had a body form, and it's it's a male body form, and it's pink, and it's got a bunch of holes in it, mm-hmm. where I like stabbed it with a hot melting, you know, rods, okay. and nobody said a word, yeah, you know, because they were just like, oh yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> what she does. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're used to it. I mean, they they you know I I once had big tire art. I worked for the Council for Older Adults, which is now called Source Point here in Delaware. But they do the Meals on Wheels program, mm-hmm. so I had to do a huge Meals on Wheels centerpiece for the Chamber of Commerce dinner. Yeah. So I used two huge tires. Yeah. And I had a kitchen sink on that the you know one base and then one round. Yeah. I had a kitchen sink on the top of that. I had pots, pans, eggs, lemons, limes, you know, yeah. spatulas, and. My daughter came in and she was just, she didn't say a word. Yeah. And I'm like, aren't you going to say anything? And she's like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, just she was man, they're hard to impress now. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So they've seen a lot of, of wildness. I mean, as far as art and stuff like that, and yeah. just kind of like wacky, you know, kind of things. Because I love to use recycled materials. Yeah. And that's also 1970. I have to go back to that. And that is the Keep America Beautiful campaign. Yeah. And that, you know, it's it's the Native American and he's by the river and mm-hmm. he's crying. And I did a poster yeah. in fifth grade about, yeah. you know, litter so this all goes back to that yeah so so i'm a big recycle person before we talk about what's on your mind this this election year tell me a little bit about your political journey really interesting because i stopped up at the board of elections last week Mm -hmm. because i wanted to go ahead and and volunteer to work the polls um you know in november and I said, I'm not really registering to work as a Republican. So, and she's like, yeah. okay. And then she goes back to get the other gal. Yeah. And she says, she goes, first you're a Green Party, then you're a Republican, yeah. and now you're a Democrat. 
So, I mean, that's been a while, that, that yeah. genesis. But I just thought, I love living in a small town. She knows my political history, yeah. essentially. But, um, you know, so I, I, what was the question I forgot? Well, just where you've been on the political yeah. spectrum. So I've kind of been everywhere on yeah. the political spectrum. My candidate that never made it, that never ever got to be president, and I'm, oh my goodness gracious, Love Ralph Nader. Mm-hmm. Love him. Personal hero of mine. Okay. And so I think it's probably, I always paid attention to him back, you know, when I was a teenager. I yeah. thought he was incredibly smart. Right. And I, I mean, he just was very easy to listen to. It was reasonable. It was logical. And it made sense. And he yeah. was on a mission. Yeah. And I love anybody that's got passion. If you don't have any passion, then it really kind of breaks my heart, but then I just move on because I want yeah. to find the next person who's got yeah. fire and, you know, and, you know, for all those kinds of things. And he, he had that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking for that kind of candidate. On the other hand, I really appreciated John McCain. Yeah. I really like John McCain. I, I really like John Kerry, you know? So, I mean, it's just, it's been very, very difficult. Yeah. The candidates I did not like, I did not like Bill Clinton, and that's when I went down and changed my party. I'm like, I will not be associated with this party for this man. Yeah. He made me sick. He was smarmy. Yeah. I didn't like it. He was talking down to people. I don't like it. Yeah. Or instead of being smart, and I'm sure he's a smart man, but he seemed like he would use that, that intelligence for something yeah. to get over on you, and I didn't like it. And in protest, that's when I went down and said, Make me make me a Republican because yeah. I'm done. I yeah. can't I can't put up with this man. Yeah. So it really is about the candidate for yeah. me. That's a little bit different this year. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this year. What, how would you describe yourself now politically to someone? Politically, I'm I'm not going to say that. I mean, I was rooted in Republicanism, though. Right. I will have to tell you about my grandfather too because he's. A Democrat. He and I got into a, an argument one time about politics. Okay. He threw a cup of coffee at me. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so he was very, very adamant. Yeah. But anyway, I'm saying it again. I'm, I'm like. So this. how would you describe yourself right now at this moment politically? Right now, I feel like, and this isn't very popular to say when you're a Democrat or people don't believe you, mm-hmm. but I'm just as much as a patriot as any Republican out there. Sure. And I'm sick and tired of the Republican Party thinking that they have the monopoly on patriotism right. or that they have a monopoly on the religious, you know, spiritual, you know, path that we're each on. Right. They don't. Right. And matter of fact, they are so far past it mm-hmm. that they can endorse this president and keep working with him as he lies and lies and is nasty and is mean and stiffs people from work. It just, I can't understand it. It is upside down. It is completely upside down. And uh, he, to me, is repugnant. And the people that work with him to further him and to get more money for the party and get every last NRA dollar, they're also repugnant. And that would be Lindsey Graham. And that would be Mitch McConnell. And that would be Jim Jordan. And it would also be Rob Portman, who I was just down in his office yesterday protesting at his office. So this, my country and my government is at stake and I want to fix it. Now, I don't want to go back to the 50s. I didn't live back then, but I'm thinking a lot of that was too many, too much lollipops and, you know, bubblegum and rainbows. But I do think that the United States can continue if we have leadership, if we have someone who's not lying to us every two seconds. 
And I, I just, I can't stand this president. Yeah. I, I can't even, I know I'm sitting here and I'm saying, yep, I can't stand him. Right. I would, I would go out back and I would beat a drum for four hours. Yeah. To tell, to show how much I hate this individual. Not him personally, but what he's doing to our country. Mm-hmm. He's making us less stable. Nobody can count on us. This whole thing with Syria. Oh my God! What what is going on? Yeah. I mean, it, it, really. I mean, it, the lunatic is running. Yeah. He, he's running the country. What do you think? I mean, you've lived in Ohio most of your life. What What's his appeal? Why did Ohio go for him? You know. Well, I think the Republican Party. As I'm not going to say that they're intelligent. They are, but they don't use it for good. So I don't understand this Republican Party that says, you know, the more money, the more power, and they pursued this line of thinking. And they're the ones also that made people afraid. Well, like, you know, the government will come and get you and, you know, all of that. And, yeah. and so what did you have? Then people doing these militias because we might have to fight the government. Mm-hmm. So that was the reason, I mean, that's kind of how like they started it. And with the NRA, this all started, you know, with that whole thing of, of, you know, we got to protect ourselves from our government. So yeah. everybody needs to have an arm mm-hmm. and it needs to be military weapons grade and all that kind of that. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it switched it, didn't it? Yeah. And now it's not that you have to use it on the government. You have to use it from the de- on the Democrats mm-hmm. because they're going to come and take your guns, mm-hmm. which is not true. Mm-hmm. It's just not true. Yeah. We're not going to, they want to take the guns. We just want to be smart about it. Yeah. Now, do I feel personally that anybody, del- you know, should, have an AR-15? No, I don't. What are you going to use that for? Yeah. You know? Believe me, my dad had firearms when I was a kid. Yeah. He had handguns. He had shotguns. He shot deer. He got a bear. Yeah. You know? And, and a bobcat. And I mean, had all kinds of that kind of stuff. You don't need the AR-15. Yeah. You don't need it. Mm-hmm. You don't need it to bring home dinner or whatever. You don't need it as a defensive weapon. Yeah. Okay. You don't need that as a defensive weapon. That's an offensive weapon, yeah. and it will always be an offensive weapon. Sure. And they know that. But am I going to come and get yours? No, but I think we should stop making them. Mm-hmm. I think that we should. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a long road. And at, at one point in time, I'm like, hey, i got to do a raffle, win an AR-15. Yeah. Well, that would be cool. Yeah. I would go shoot it, but then, yeah. and then I'm like, why did I do that? I don't know, because I got caught up in the moment, too. Yeah. I got caught up in the group that I was serving and I paid for the ticket. Yeah. But so they kind of sweep you in on that. You know, oh, it'd be fun to shoot. Yeah. You know, there's a group of us that go out and shoot. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. It will never make sense to have that kind of weapon, yeah. that offensive weapon. A defensive weapon, I understand. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. You want something to protect your home. Now, I don't have any guns. Yeah. Nobody has any guns in this house. We're not gun owners. Right. But I understand why people want them. Yeah. You know, I do. I also know, I mean, very close, bad things happen with guns. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, my dad had a shotgun on the back of his, you know, inside of his truck. Yeah. A paper boy stole it. Oh, geez. He took it home. And then his brother ended up dead because of the shotgun. Oh, man. He was up in Canada hunting. He was hunting bear or moose. Yeah. And um, some guy was out there on the lake. They try not to, to drop too many hunters on the lake. Right. So other hunter thought he saw something. So he was excited. It was the first time hunting. So he shot and he killed his own son. Mm. And then he went crazy because he couldn't get out of the bush. So 
it, this affected my dad. My dad laid down his gun and he didn't go hunting for a very, I mean, 20, yeah. 30 years. Yeah. He didn't go because he, it was so hard for him to reconcile. So I watched him deal with it and it hurt me too. Yeah. You know, but I, I understand and I think everyone has the right to bear an arm. <laughs> but I just don't believe that we should have, yeah. you know, grenade launchers and, you know, flamethrowers and offensive weapons. Yeah. I don't think that that is what the framers of the Constitution meant to protect yourself. Yeah. A defensive weapon, sure. Yeah. And that's all they had back then. What did they have? You know, they had gunpowder for yeah. Pete's sake. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. I think we need to repair this Constitution. I think we need to work. And I don't know why. And this... I mean, maybe it was after Nixon. I don't know why we couldn't take any more steps to repair it. Mm -hmm. You know, to say, let's kind of fix some of these things. Sure. We could have addressed this way back in the day, but we didn't. Yeah. Because this is when these groups were coming into power. Yeah. So they didn't because yeah. that's not what they wanted. And yeah. now look at it because they can't police themselves. Yeah. Well, it's unusual too because when you look at polls, Republicans and Democrats alike support increased gun control measures. Yeah. But they're not getting passed. Or they're anything. lying about that. Republicans don't. I, I, they're lying about it. Well, Mitch McConnell's lying about that. Mm -hmm. He says he wants to, but he won't move on that. Right. He could move on at any time sure. he wanted to, but he won't. Yeah. So he could move on a lot of things, but he won't. Yeah. So I'm sick and tired of hearing the Republican Party line, oh, we believe this. Do you? Because then why isn't yeah. Mitch McConnell doing anything? Why won't he take a vote on these? So don't tell me how much you're for it. Yeah. When you know you've got Mitch McConnell in your pocket stopping it, so don't I don't I don't want to believe it. I want to yeah. see some action. Yeah. So they can, they can't pull that that wool over my eyes. Yeah. Can I so. ask you a quick question? Sure. Uh, it took me a lot to overcome some of my father's politics. Yeah. And, and and my family's politics, and some are still that way. Yeah. And yet I did. Mm -hmm. And the closer, or the further away I got from it, the freer it is. Yeah. And there is freedom in that. And I think if you're tied to any one thing, as much as people with the arsenal in their basement or their, you know, their stores of canned goods and their, you know, fallout shelter, yeah. I understand that, that. I understand them wanting to protect yeah. themselves and, and all of that. But if you feed it too much, then you've overused your strength yeah. and then it becomes your weakness and your addiction yeah. and and it steals the rest of your life. Yeah. And I hate for kids to go through that. Yeah. So. It's interesting because of your experiences, you can see how people have positions that you don't agree with, sure. but you understand how they arrived there, sure. right? And does that give you empathy for them? Sure, it, it does. And it, it also, I, I went last Friday night, it was the first Friday in Delaware, a little mm -hmm. downtown, <coughs> merchant organiz organization function bring people downtown and um they were putting up the big statue of delaware of, of you know rutherford b mm -hmm. hayes getting that back and and it was great and i was wearing my peak gear and i was talking to and i stopped to you know hand out a pen or whatever and this guy republican he was like i'm republican and he was just really he was com completely and utterly rude to me yeah but i said you know what i'm going to talk to you and we're going to find some common ground yeah and so I talked to him for about five to ten minutes. We found some common ground. What was it? He says he's for the gun control. Yeah. So, but there were other other things yeah. that I don't think that he is a Trump fan, mm -hmm. but he certainly, and this is a lot of experience. It was, it was an, it, it, it's not that they cast their vote for Trump. They cast it against someone. Sure. 
And so I think that there's a lot of that, and that is still pervasive. Yeah. And I would tell you, I probably would not have voted for Hillary had there not been Trump. Mm-hmm. So I don't like her, and I don't think she's good for politics. Yeah. She comes off as smug. She comes off as greedy and power-hungry. And I'm sorry, I think she hurts women in politics. Yeah. And I wish she would shut up. up. I do. Yeah. Yeah, so you really respond to the people, the personalities, rather. Yeah. I mean, obviously, guns are a big policy issue for you well i respond to the people but also you have to back that up with substance yeah and trump has got no substance not even for himself but i do appreciate the candidates who are very they have something and they go this is what i think and this is what's going to be good for the country sure and so it you have to back that up that personality but you have to back it up and have a plan yeah so i think we've all experienced now when you don't have any knowledge, and the reason why, this is my personal opinion, the reason why he he breaks all the laws is because he don't. When, if you don't know the Constitution, yeah. you don't know when you're breaking the law because <laughs> you're that much of a freaking idiot. Yeah. So, you know, that's why it's very easy for him to transgress yeah. le- left, right, and center is because he doesn't know. Yeah. And he doesn't want the education to know. Yeah. So I, what I appreciate are people who are smart, who put in the time, who have a point of view. And that it's also, it's attainable. Yeah. Okay? As much as I like Bernie Sanders, it's not going to be that. You can't stop one system and yeah. start that. You cannot do that. Can't do it, Elizabeth. It has to be attainable. Yeah. You know, I don't want to listen to pie in the sky. Yeah. Okay? You know? I mean, read my lips. I mean, yeah. have we not learned from that? Yeah. It's not attainable. Some things are not attainable. Yeah. The attainable, even though it could be lofty, or higher than we have now, more moral at least, it has to be within our reach. We mm-hmm. have to be able to reach out and say, we can attain this. Yeah. And so that is the other thing. And I don't think that some candidates, it's attainable yeah. for what they're they're saying. Yeah. So you can't stop the country, you can't stop healthcare on a dime and switch to something else. Yeah. You can't, people will be out of work, there will be confusion, you cannot support that. We know infrastructure enough to know you can't stop it immediately. Yeah. So it has to be an attainable, something that we can attain yeah. as a country. There you go. Yeah, you told me in the application that you had never volunteered before and that you hadn't even done a bumper sticker for, to promote a candidate nope. until this had year. Had never so. put on a bumper sticker on my car. Had never volunteered to work for a campaign. It's very hard when you're raising a family. It's hard to commit time to doing it. Yeah. So you have to have that time. You also have to, several times I might have had the time, but I didn't have the funds or the resources. Mm-hmm. I need. I would have had to pay for babysitting. You know, yeah. I would have had to spend gas money. So if you're still, if it, if it is going to cost you to do it, it's it might be without, you know, outside yeah. of your grasp to yeah. do. But even then, there is an anathema. I, all right, whatever. It's just going to be politics as usual. Yeah. And, but that changed with this president. Yeah. I cried. I cried. My daughter and I watched it. We cried. Yeah. We, we just cried. We watched the debates with, with Hillary. And then I had given her, I had given her this really pretty bottle. I wanted her to have this really pretty bottle. Yeah. It contained vodka, so I had to go buy it. So yeah. I could, she's like, oh my God, mom, I, I drank half that bottle that yeah. night. I mean, I, I cried. I couldn't, I couldn't look at news for a couple of days afterwards. Yeah. Because I knew what we were headed for. Because you could just see this one. Sometimes you can see the volcano miles, hundreds of miles away. And I could just see it. Yeah. And, but I don't, I wasn't fired up until I found out about Pete. Yeah. 
So let's talk. Why why yeah. Pete? Well, I had listened to Bernie, and as much as I understand, and I would like to have universal health care. I mean, that's something mm-hmm. available in my my husband's home country, and it's something doable. You know, this is not you know this is not an unachievable thing. You just can't do it all at once. But I like that idea. But he was not the candidate for me, mm-hmm. and neither was Elizabeth Warren. I like her, and and this is. I'm not trying to say anything against females. Yeah. Because believe me, I have battled so much discrimination being a woman. So it's not that I I don't want a woman, but I don't think that she has the measure to fight Donald Trump or the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. It's even tough for Nancy Pelosi. Mm-hmm. I like Kamala Harris, but she has a big, a huge contradiction in what she did. As Attorney General, she could have told the law enforcement agencies of California to stand down and not help ICE agents. Mm -hmm. And what did she say? And this is what really bothers me. And this is her big contradiction and nobody talks about it. She's like, I'll let them make their own. She had a chance to help every person who was undocumented by telling, as Attorney General, Telling these law enforcement, you know, entities, do you do not have to help ISIS and I don't want you or, you know, ICE and yeah. I don't want you doing it because that's resources. We're giving them resources. Yeah. But she did not. She deferred. Yeah. And that to me, that's a broken trust. Yeah. So she can go after Joe Biden all, all she wants. And, and I, yeah, that was wrong. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not there. I don't think Amy Klobuchar has it. I don't think that Tulsi Gabbard has it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Tim Ryan has it. I don't think that Yang has it. Mm-hmm. They don't. What about he, Beto? If Beto would have said right away, that's it, and he jumped into the fire mm-hmm. and relished the journey and the fight, I would have said yes. Yeah. But I want to know what, what took you so long. Yeah. I wanted to go down there, grab him out of his comfort zone, and throw him in. Yeah. So if he, but if he doesn't have that fire, then get out. Because yeah. if you're not passionate about it, then get out and don't waste anybody else's time. Yeah. Don't waste our time. We need the fire, the passion, the intelligence. We need to have the path forward and we need to have somebody who's going to stay on it. Yeah. I don't need to drag you there. Yeah. So that that's that's it. Okay. So all of them have concerns. Yeah. Mayor Pete, what appeals about him? Well, the first thing I'm like, what? What is this? What is this guy? I'm like, okay, so I just, I thought this was just an LBGTQ, I'm going to run for president because we haven't had one. So not openly, we we don't know if we have or not. And and people argue that point, but I'm like, okay. So I just thought, all right, well, I'll, I'll listen and, and, and see what this is about. And then I'm like, oh, it's real. And I'm like, okay. So I listened to a couple of uh, interviews and podcasts and I'm like, well, okay. Well, you know, he talks real good. So... And then he announced his candidacy, and and I just thought, okay, he's the real deal here. What I mean, okay, I'm like so. I just started listening more. I read the book. I read his book, um, Shortest Way Home, which I think is is a great book. And I and I appreciate I appreciate the literary reference from you know Long Way Round. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, from that James Joyce. You know, Long Way Round. It is the I came a long way round, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I understand that. And I'm from, this is what I told Pete when I met him. I said, I'm from South Bend, Ohio, but we call it Delaware. Mm -hmm. Because it's very much the same. 
in population. Another downtown area is about four times our size, but the population you know, from county to county is about the same. And, uh, and that means something to me. Yeah. But when he went on and decided to do the Fox News town hall, mm-hmm. when no Democrat was appearing on it, and I and he went, well, if I don't go, then Republicans will never even you know they'll never even hear a Democrat. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well that's interesting. And I thought he did real well in that interview. Yeah. And I started following and you know reading more, and you know reading his policies. I like how he talks about the glide path, you know, to you know, Medicare for all. It doesn't have to be right now. That's reasonable. It still gets us to universal health care, but it doesn't, it's not way out there in left field. Hmm. We still have to bring some people along to that. I think people want free health care, but I think they're afraid to, if that's, is that a socialist thing? They don't know if it is right. or not. So, they, but they're afraid of it. So I think that that, but every step of the way, he has impressed me with his intelligence and with his diligence yeah. and with his call to be a better person, a better person for your community, to your spouse, you know, where you live, to be a more informed voter, to be to be better for your community so we can be better as a country. I believe in all of these things. I think it's very I think it's very John Kennedy, though that was a little bit before my time. He was yeah. I mean it was nineteen sixty three, I was three years old. Yeah. You know, so that was before my time. But I've heard about it. Mm-hmm. You know, about how, you know, this young man just set everybody on fire and I'm thinking, this kind of feels like it. Yeah. Now does that mean I'm not trying to compare him to John Kennedy? I'm just saying, you know, that the spirit of service, of giving back, mm-hmm. I think that is huge. That we could we could lend our better selves. We've spent a long time exploring this lesser nature of individuals who would be president and who would be in a position of power Mm -hmm. in the Senate. And and it's not helped us. I I just, I just, everything I'm just like, okay, this is good. What would would you say if, if Pete asked you, how, how do I win in Ohio? How does he win in Ohio? That's very, that's a very good question because there's, there's not one path to winning. I think he knows that already, but there's not one path to winning. I, I talked to yesterday, I was in, in, down in front of Rob Portman's office and I was with a, a bunch of people who were protesting his laissez-faire attitude. Yeah, it wasn't the right thing to do, but it's not impeachable, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thank you. So just smacking on a wrist. So these are, are, are probably not, you know, Republicans. I didn't ask each of them for, you know, like a Demo- right. you know, Democratic ID card or anything, but, Anyway, one of the girls was just, was just like, he can't win. He can't win. It's too young. Too young. And yet, if you look at what he's done, if you look at how he's partnered the university there, Notre Dame mm-hmm. in the city, which I really feel because as being a townie, I feel sure. the separation between Ohio Wesleyan and, and the townie folk. Yeah. So there's not enough collaboration there. So I see that. And I understand one of the things he really talked about is, is that four-year college is not for everybody. And we, we need to stop selling that as a wholesale item that yeah. kids need to do. Yeah. And, and I, I believe in that. At Columbus State, my husband works at Columbus State. And there's a huge workforce development you know, complex there to teach these kids about manufacturing, about the processes, Honda, other you know, manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So I believe this. It's not for everybody. My, my brother, he's two years younger than me, my brother Jack, when he was in high school, he was an athlete. He, he did, he's a smart guy. And he finally just like, I want to quit. I'm going to quit school. And my mom was livid. She's like, no, no, you can't, you know, get the counselors involved with that. And you know, the counselor told my mom, 
he said, let Jack quit. He's one of the kids who was going to make it because he wants to go out and live real life. And this thing about study halls and, you know, I mean, roaming the halls, that doesn't appeal to him that he knows that there's stuff that he knows yeah. that there's life out there. Yeah. So my, my dad would not buy, you know, like co-sign for him to buy a vehicle when he was, you know, like 16. So he went and had somebody else do it so he could have a vehicle. Mm -hmm. He wanted to get out and work. He did go out and work. He then did go back and get an associate's degree in, in computer programming. Whether you go to college, whether you work in manufacturing, whether you work in a service industry, whether you work in tech, there's going to be availability for all. I like that message. And it's not so, I don't, I, I've done phone banking for him mm -hmm. and... You wouldn't. You would be surprised the amount of people who say I'm Republican. I'm voting for Pete. Mm -hmm. So he, there's a path forward. Yeah. But it, I don't. I've seen Joe Biden, and he looks very shaky mm -hmm. to me. As much as I appreciate, although the work and the academics and the economics that Elizabeth Warren has brought to her, you know, plans, I don't think she's all that authoritarian enough mm -hmm. and I heard this and I'm like oh crap I hate that this is kind of true for me yeah and maybe it's not true for other people but it is for me and this is just where I landed and I I really can't bite that one yeah is that people will take instruction or information from a woman but they'll only take only take instruction from a male mm. and I'm like okay I see that yeah. So if I were her, I would try to have a lower voice. I don't know what, <laughs> what you can do. Yeah. But I think that there's that. I don't think that this country, I think that they, especially the Republicans, were so jealous that Obama was president that I don't. I think that spells defeat for Cory Booker and Kamala Harris. And, and, and I don't care what color they are. I mean, I, but I, I don't think that's going to happen because they're just, I mean... It seems like Trump is so jealous and is because they achieve something is because, you know, a person of their race achieves something. And I will have to tell you, this hurts and this hurts to admit, but it was about, oh my goodness. I don't know. There came a point in time. It's been a while, but it still hurts me to recall it, that I was jealous of somebody at work. And I realized it was because I was jealous because I didn't think he deserved it because he was dark skinned. Mm. And I had to take that home and I had to unpack that. Yeah. And I had to face my own prejudice, which I thought was so completely unfair. And yet I felt that way. And so I had to really break it down. Why do you feel like that? Why isn't this individual allowed to have something? Uh, okay. So then I had to unpack all that stuff that I had grown up with because they weren't allowed. Yeah. And that was a threat to somebody. I had to face that. I had to look it in the eye and go, yeah, that's not going to be a part of me from going on any further. I, I just can't do that. Yeah, that was over twenty years ago. Yeah, but it's still painful to know that I felt that way at one time. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of people who feel that way. Yeah. So I just, I just think that Pete, I think he can win, and I think he's on the right trajectory, and I think he's got the right amount of momentum. Um, I think being young is going to help him. Um, what I tell people is, they've told me he's too young. I think I'm going to be sixty. So I look at my 50s and go, do I want somebody who's 50? I'm kind of like a bit of a curmudgeon. Mm -hmm. Slowed down. Okay. I grandbabies now. I don't got to work so hard. I'm really not. Don't. I'm not working. I'm not really looking. So I'm kind of happy where I am. I don't need life to move fast. I don't need to be a mover and shaker. Um, in my 20s, of course, I was just trying to figure it out like anybody else. Yeah. And my, from 35 to 45, that was my best professional self. Yeah. 
I could assimilate new information. I could get it done. I was doing all kinds of stuff. I, I, you know, you know what they say, God, you know, for Pete's sake, give it to a busy person. Yeah. I was the busiest person. I loved it. I loved doing, having all these irons in the fire. I could move, move, move. Yeah. And you could learn. I could still, I was still learning. I was still, and I was, had the energy and the vibrancy. And that was, that was spectacular to me. Yeah. So I think he is at the right age. And for all of those people who believe in Jesus, you know, Jesus was 33. And they say that is the perfect age. Yeah. That was the, the age that he died, you know, as, as a sacrifice on a cross. So if that's the case, this is the perfect age for this individual. So I think I appreciate education a lot because of my lack of it. So I appreciate that. Not that I'm stupid. Yeah. I'm not a stupid woman, but I do have a lack of formal education. So I had to learn, I had to learn. And it, sometimes I even, I would hide that I was learning because I didn't want people to think that, you know, I don't know that I was, I was so hungry for education that I would, I was just like soaking up everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, ridiculous. So but people anyway. wouldn't think who the hell are you? <laughs> well, no, I just, I just think that people sometimes they don't want to, after they've had their, their formal education, yeah. that's it. That's what, you know, and so I achieved just because based on that and block on that. Yeah. And so I didn't have that. So I had to go around and I had to squirrel and get a lot of information, yeah. you know, or just dive headlong into it and figure it out, you know. Yeah. And I noticed other people weren't doing that. I just felt very conscious of it. So, yeah. but I appreciate that he's educated. I appreciate his background. I appreciate that his father was an immigrant, that his father was a teacher and a very good one from all recommendations. Mm -hmm. I appreciate Anna, his mom, that she was a linguist. I appreciate the educational part of it and then further education. Of course, mm -hmm. you know, my husband being British, I mean, being a Rhodes Scholar, that's huge for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, going over there, studying in Cambridge, Oxford, coming back, going, I'm going to go serve. Mm -hmm. I had one son who was in the reserves. That didn't last very long. He found out pretty quickly after about a year, this isn't for me. Yeah. I had one son who was in the Marines. So I appreciated that, that he decided to join up that he was a naval intelligence officer, mm -hmm. that he knows more than one language, all of those things that he, that he knows he's not the smartest guy in the room. And so he picks smart people to be around him, yeah. to help him shape policy, to help him shape, you know, the trajectory on what he wants to be and how he's going to include other people. Yeah. It's all of those factors. It's every single one. And then I think the last factor in this, I just occurred to me, was it day before yesterday? I'm like, He's younger than my oldest son, <laughs> only by a year. But yeah. I'm thinking there's a lot of those. And, right. and then I think I've heard women my age called, well, we're the mother-in-law vote. Of course, he's mm -hmm. getting that, you know, because well, who wouldn't love, you know, I would love for my daughter to marry someone like Pete yeah. or, you know, or my son to marry someone yeah. like Pete, you know, or, or to have him in, in my family, yeah. you know. So, but I think he's he's got it. And I, when I talk to him, he was shaking my hand when I was telling him, I live in this very same small town. He grabbed my hand and just kind of leaned in just a little bit more. Yeah. Just, he wants to listen to people. I think he has that skill. And I don't know if you, James Mattis just wrote the book, Call Sign Chaos. Mm -hmm. And one of the excerpts that, that from that book that I really appreciated was his four steps of leadership mm -hmm. is first you listen, then you learn, then you help, and only then can you lead. Yeah. And, and I think that that, and maybe that's a military thing, and so I think yeah. Pete understands that. But I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that going, yes, you can't do anything until you you do all of this to help first. Yeah. You know. So I've I've led departments and I've led them very badly mm -hmm. and had to grow into that and then led them, you know, better yeah. and hopefully well. 
But, you know, I look back and go, oh, my God, I just didn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> but How do you think this went? I hope it went well. Okay, so I'm last thing, just... Yeah. What haven't I asked, or what is something about you as a voter in Ohio that you think any candidate should be aware of? That I think any candidate should be aware? Well... Ohio is, it's, it's a lot like Indiana. There's a lot of manufacturing, but there's a lot of tech as well. So I think the whole state has got some growing pains. And I don't think the whole state knows exactly who they are yet. Certainly that, you know, the, the whole tech surrounding the Columbus area grows differently than, say, a Youngstown which is, mm -hmm. you know, rolling back, or a Cleveland, or even, you know, pockets of Cincinnati. And so it's, it's, it's very much fighting against itself. And it's not one uniform outline. It's an amoeba at this point. And so people are going to continue to have that. You know, when you talk to these different people, we're not all the same. We're not going to be all the same age. You're not going to be all the same one mind. There's going to be people who vote Republican because they're afraid their guns are going to be taken away. There are people who vote for Republican because they can't stand Democrats or, you know, they don't want a gay guy as president or, you know, they don't, they don't want, you know, Cory Booker or, or a, that Amy woman, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's a lot of reasons why. So don't get too comfortable, you know, and thinking that you got it figured out because you don't. You know, yeah. so I think that's it. I don't think Ohio is not done growing. And, and then if Ohio isn't, then neither is anybody yeah. else. So we're in the same on that. Yeah. And they're going to have to, you can get addicted to, to looking at the polls and you just got to, you got to look past that. Yeah. So. Okay. I always give Kevin a chance to ask some questions, yeah. but yeah. before sure. I do, I just want to thank you. You're yeah. really, really passionate and uh, really yeah. honest with us. Some really sure. lovely moments in there. I really appreciate that. Once more, my thanks to Kelly for her time. Four days, people. If you haven't voted or you don't have a plan to vote yet, please make one. Your participation is critical. And that's a wrap for the voter interview portion of our project. We may be back in your podcast feed with some additional information or another episode, so do keep an eye out for us. But otherwise, on behalf of the all-volunteer crew of This Is Ohio 2020, I'm Pete Brown saying, good times, everyone. Good times. This is Ohio 2020 is a podcast and documentary film project produced by Blue Monkey Communications, written and directed by me, Pete Brown, with production and post-production ably handled by Kevin Davison of Twittering Machine Productions. If you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend or two about us. Post about us on social media. Music and sound effects in today's show may come from the websites freesound.org, incompetech.com, or podcastmusic.com, and in general is licensed under Creative Commons 3.0. Additional music and interstitials by Brian Hake and Kevin Davison. Until next time, I'm Pete Brown for This is Ohio 2020, wishing you and yours good times. Mm -hmm.